So this will probably be the shortest intro I have done so far. Today's episode is going to be Adam Gold and Walt Ruff. We're going to start off with Walt and then finish with Adam Gold. There will be a brief intermission in between the two. Before we start the show, I just want to remind you that we just released an episode on Saturday and there's going to be another episode on Wednesday. Make sure you follow the show on social media, like it, share it, rate it, you know what to do. But let's get into it. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage, with historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes. This is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. I personally don't think I have to do intros for either of our show's guests today, but, you know, when in Rome. So the first guest is going to be Walter Ruff. Walter Ruff is the Hurricanes team reporter. He has been for all of last season, going to this one. This will be his sophomore season. And uh, this man's a workhorse, if I'm going to be 100 foot honest with you guys. I would put every dollar in my pocket that he had more pieces complete last year than almost no actually than everyone else combined that was on the hurricane speed this man has days where he has at least one byline and then there'll be days where he has two or three <laughs> he he's an incredible workhorse uh wesley former co-host huge fan i'm a huge fan he has an awesome whaler's jacket and he's always dressed to the nines during his intermission report if you don't follow him on Twitter, why are you not following him on Twitter? If you don't read all of his pieces at Hurricanes.com, why aren't you doing that? I will have both linked down below. Go ahead and consume his content. It's literally his job to create content for you to enjoy. So do it. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Walt. Oh, actually, I lied. Hold on. Uh, my audio quality isn't the best in this one. I ended up having to leave my apartment and going down to the clubhouse that's in my building and it, it it was a mistake. It is what it is. Uh, so it's not the worst by far, but it's not great either. So just heads up on that. Um, the first simple question is, what is your favorite storylines going into this season? Well, I'm curious to see how this team is able to top what they did during the 21-22 season. Um, I remember this time last year, there were people who were very skeptical of some of the new additions in Auntie Ranta, Frederick Anderson, Tony D'Angelo, and look how it all came together. Uh, it was a pretty magical season, but I know that ultimately it didn't have the ending that the team, the players, the staff, the fans had hoped for. But the fact of the matter is they had a quite a quite good amount of change this summer as well, but the expectation remains the same. Uh, they were able to prove that no matter how much change they were faced with last summer, that they could compete and make a deep run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And so that's their goal once again. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they can improve or build off of what they accomplished last year. Turning to that, it seems like 
I realize you were only here last year, now this season, but since Waddell got here, and honestly, it's standard across almost every market, is no matter what the GM does in the offseason, it's the worst thing to happen since ever. Well, I, I think th- some of that is true, but I think you would also agree that the the Brent Burns move this offseason was pretty much a, a slam dunk win, right? Yeah. So, you know, give him credit where credit is due there. And then you get another one just a couple hours later and bringing in Max Pacioretty and Dylan Coughlin for essentially nothing. So, um, yes, a lot of times the general managers and front offices come under scrutiny for some of the moves that are made. But it's pretty hard to disagree with some of the ones that Carolina made this summer. Well, I would say it's pretty hard to disagree with most of the moves Waddell has made. Uh, He has has fleeced quite a few GMs. (laughs) So the preseason's officially over. Uh, Who was your unexpected player who you didn't, I shouldn't say didn't think much of, but surprised you with what they achieved during those five games? Well, I think everybody got to see a little bit more of a name that I just mentioned a few moments ago in Dylan Coughlin. Um, when the trade initially happened in July, everybody was like, wow, we got Max Pacioretty and, you know, a defenseman. And I don't even like referencing it in this capacity, but a lot of people were like, you know, oh, great. We got another name who's a, you know, a throw in in the deal. Dylan Coughlin is going to be a legitimate player for this team this year. Um, we've gotten to see him run the second power play unit. I know that he's a bit handcuffed at the moment in the sense that everybody knows that you know it's going to be Brent Burns on the top pair right side and then Brett Pesci on the second pair right side so uh, Coughlin seems to be potentially cemented into that third pairing role but again he's gonna get his offensive cracks at the uh, second power play unit position and I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities to succeed it's a little bit different from you know the third pairing rotation that we saw last season in Ian Cole Brennan Smith and Ethan Bear uh, Dylan Coughlin is a legitimate player and not to suggest that any of the three names that I just mentioned especially Ethan Bear who is still on the roster aren't legitimate players but you know Dylan Coughlin's gonna have a big time opportunity here and we saw him you know, get to release some of his shot, which is one of his best assets during the preseason. Um, I know that he left the game in Buffalo with a bit of an injury, but he's practiced in the two days since, so he should be fine in all systems go for the home opener. But I'm very, very excited for everybody to get to see what Dylan can contribute to this lineup. I, I didn't see. Was he at practice today? No, Pesci he was. He was, yeah. Okay. And Pesci's just um... – precautionary right yep yep both he and uh stefan nason did not practice on friday but again rod brindamore just basically said if you're not 100 percent, you're not going to be out there uh he was asked on thursday if there were any concerns about pesci being ready for opening night he said nope he expects him to be good to go going into the preseason that battle for the third pairing and then the extra defender was talked about uh, kind of a lot it was one of our main storylines as a fan base and now those five games have happened it's been two weeks and excluding Dahan getting his contract, nothing's really changed. There's still no real answers on who they're going to be. And I'm not going to ask you to make predictions, but obviously decisions will be made prior to Wednesday night when the team, you know, starts their season. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, you hit the nail on the head right there. I think those, we're going to see some interesting things transpire between now and Wednesday. And I say that because, Fans who are within intimate knowledge of the team remember that last year on opening night, I believe 
or should I say the opening night rosters. Now there is a difference. Um, the NHL's regular season officially on North American soil begins on Tuesday. I know that today on Friday, there is the game between San Jose and Nashville taking place overseas, but I bring this up because what's submitted as the team's opening night roster on Monday afternoon at 5 p.m. may not be what the team trots out Wednesday night. And I'd like everyone to keep that in mind because last year, for example, we saw E2 McNiemi on the opening night roster, and we all know now that he didn't play. In fact, he not only didn't play, he was assigned to Chicago the next day. So we could see a situation like that come about. Um, And then – I guess in a more direct way to answer the question, you're right. Nothing has changed on the blue line. Uh, they still have, you know, those eight guys competing for spots and Dahan, Bear, Coughlin, and um, excuse me, who am I missing here? Dahan? No, yeah, sorry. sorry, I didn't realize if I had said him or not. Um, but yeah, you have four, four guys competing for two spots in the lineup, and then we know most teams carry one extra, maybe two. So we'll see how it shakes out. But the good news is, hey, at least we have options, right? Um, it's not going to be a situation of where you have to throw a young prospect into the mix that you're not sure he might not be ready for that role and that capacity. Uh, you've got four guys who can legitimately play. So it's just a matter of picking which two are going to be the best for your lineup. I would also add, I, I would guarantee at this point that whatever was submitted to the league Monday night is not going to be opening night roster. You, you have to see that they're doing everything they can to get to that cap number, including the breaking news as we started talking, it, Jordan Marnuk being put on ravers, which is a, a, a solely paperwork move. They're not sending him to Chicago. He's going to hang out here for the day. And fingers crossed, he'll be fine. Well, it is a business. It is a business that's, uh, you know, everybody has to be compliant within the salary cap and it presents challenges to each team. And um, everybody's going to find one way or another to get to that number, whether there have to be difficult decisions to be made. And, um, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how the next couple of days play out. Um, in the case of it being a business, the only reason we have Pacioretty and Coglin for absolutely nothing is because Vegas had to find a way to get under the cap after taking in Jack Eichel. That's true. That's very true. Okay, so going into next season, excluding the stadium series, because everyone's answer is going to be the stadium series if I don't exclude it, what are you looking forward to covering as like a sort of event or maybe a player making their mark on the team, something like that? I think there's plenty of storylines. Um, for example... I just have my gut feeling, to be honest with you, is that Andrei Svechnikov is going to have a monster season. I think he was fantastic last year, hitting the 30-goal mark and a career-high 69 points for the first time. Um, you know, and I don't say this to make a prediction. I don't like making predictions because I don't like placing undue pressure on certain players. But I would not be surprised at all to see Andre close to 40 this year. Um, I think he's going to be simply fantastic. And then in the case of Martin Natchez, how does he bounce back from last year? Everybody wants him to succeed and be a big part of this team. He's still so young. Um, how does he bounce back? How does he respond? Seth Jarvis, how do you follow up that rookie year? So I, I think I, I'm kind of admittedly somewhat copping out and not giving you one direct event that I'm looking forward to covering. I, the stadium series is going to be marvelous. That's a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity whether you are in the position that I am fortunate enough to be in in terms of working game or if you're attending the game as a fan. For a lot of people, it is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and you have to keep that perspective in mind as we get closer that, um, 
you know, yes, there are some things that may not have gone according to plan in terms of everybody getting the amount of tickets that they wanted to get. But this is a really special event, and I think everybody's going to have a great time. I'm really looking forward to it. I don't want to rush it because that is so far away. Um, but I'm very much so looking forward to that and the season and everything that comes along with it. There was, of course, a bunch of new faces this year. I think it's the numbers eight, but don't quote me on that. But eight new faces that should be in the regular every night roster that are new. Of those new guys, is there anyone who's a little bit more talkative than the stereotypical, you know, hockey answer of yes, you know, we have to play as a team, stuff like that? That's a good question. And I had to think about that one for a while when you sent it over, because when I think about walking into the locker room, you think about who the normal personalities are. And sometimes those are guys that have been there for a while, right? You know, like I have to give a lot of the guys credit. Like I think Brett Petschy is hysterical. Um, but then you have guys who are a little bit more reserved, for example, Frederick Anderson, and you try and, you know, respect his boundaries and, uh, you know, say what you need. But I mean, he's a goalie. What do you expect? Of course, of course. Um, but of the new additions, the one who seems to be talking, gelling in the midst of everything, cracking jokes, um, it's the six-time All-Star, Brent Burns. He is truly one of a kind, and I know that most hockey fans know that, but just seeing it up close and personal for the first time, uh, he truly, I don't know how else to say it other than he is an enigma. He's one of a kind. Um, it is so interesting to watch his interactions and the way he speaks very thoughtful incredibly thoughtful and um responsive with his answers for example the one night post game when he played i think we it was a total of only four questions from the media but he went on for you know four or five minutes he was very thorough with his responses and so that's much appreciated um but he is he is something else and it is uh it's it's really a blessing for this team to have him both in the lineup and in the locker room uh, I would actually 100% agree with how thoughtful Burns is. I, you know, obviously dedicate a large amount of my time to focusing on Kane's content. And it, uh, I, I don't remember if it was the first game he appeared in or the second one. I, I was watching it. I was like, oh, my, he's like actually thinking about these answers. There, there wasn't an immediate response of, you, you know, it was, it's great to play with Slave and I can't wait until the season starts. It was, he, he stopped and thought, well, what does so, Slave do really well? Yes. And I, I really you know, enjoyed that. Totally. Knock on wood here, but this is the first time in two years that media members have been allowed in the locker room. Knock on wood that nothing changes and everything goes well. How big of a difference is that for someone like you or, say, Chip Alexander or for the News Observer, just media members, to actually be able to talk to the players as a whole rather than getting one or two guys a night sent to the press room? I know there was a, a large clamoring for it last year, and obviously with all that transpired due to the COVID-19 pandemic, it you know, it was almost possible, but then wasn't possible. And um, the way that I think it changes the dynamic is that it allows you more freedom to work on the stories that you want to tell. Um, just to give you an example, I'm working on a piece right now on the goaltender's mask for the upcoming season. Both Freddie and Rance have brand new masks for the upcoming year. It's somewhat customary and some people may think, you know, yeah, so what? But you know, there's unique stories to be told there. Like, for example, why does Frederick Anderson have a guy, a Lego football player on his helmet? You know, and I want to tell that story. Um, but if he were one of only two or three players made available after a practice, I might not be able to get to ask him that. Or, for example, you know, 
and this this does happen in the journalism world, but world, but you might have, if I start asking those questions, then you might have three stories about it. But for the sake of the fans, even the writers, we don't want to all be writing the same story. We want to be giving everybody something different. We want to yeah. feel like everybody knows the team from a different aspect. Um, I can assure you today at practice, you know, Corey and Chip were not working on stories on the goaltenders masks, but um, you know, and I'm not sure what they have cooking today, but that's part of the excitement, isn't it? You know, you get to get each person's fresh perspective and that's a part of what comes with having the locker room open a big credit to the Canes PR staff for doing so, because I know there are teams who plan to stick with zoom, I believe. Um, so credit to the Canes PR staff for, for making that jump and allowing us that access because it truly is a game changer. You are hundred percent right about being able to write your own stories compared to the pandemic. Cause uh, let's use Martin natures as an example. And, this uh, going back to his exit interview at the end of the season, he mentioned how he talked to Rod Brindamore and how he felt more comfortable at center, but that he needed to earn the trust of Rod. And I, I as just some a spectator, was like, that's incredible that he really listened to his coach. Other people took that a different way, but everyone was writing about it because you only had so much you could write about. Yeah. And I think, don't get me wrong, in certain situations, you're always going to be handcuffed. And for example, you know, exit interviews next year will probably be the same way. Um, but it's, you know, on the day to day, the inner workings, how do you avoid getting bogged down? How do you find those unique stories or at least what, you know, you find interesting? And, you know, today, for example, I thought that it was a good opportunity to get with the guys on, you know, their goalie masks. Why? Because what was the biggest story I practiced today? you know, Brett Pesci and Stefan Nason not being out there, you know, okay, I, I can throw that in a little notebook, get it up on the web today, but it, there's other stories to be told. Um, it doesn't just necessarily have to be the same one or two topics. And um, I think we're all very grateful for that. As, how are you not exhausted, Walt? You, <laughs> I feel like it's every day you have a, at least one piece coming out. Um, it's not always the longest, but at least one piece coming out with your name on the byline regarding this team. And it seems impossible, but you always seem to get it done. Well, that's the goal. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm aware that, um, you know, admittedly, I'm not a huge fan of like the 3,000, 4,000 word pieces. Um, you know, I'll chalk together some sometime, but I'm very interested in, in knowing what people like. And I was doing some research lately that the average reader has about the span to read about 700, 800 words, and that's it. And that's not very much, quite frankly. So that's the approach I've taken. Um, I'm very, very, very lucky and fortunate that we also have Scott Burnside on our staff. And Scott's forte, Scott's specialty is the long form pieces. So I look at it as the best of both worlds. If it's not a quick hitter from me on something, then it's a longer form piece on Scott. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate the kind words. Thank you very much for respecting and understanding the work ethic. It's, you know, this is what I'm very passionate about. This is what I've always wanted to do with my life. And so I just see it as I'm here now and let's try and make the best of it. Let's try and, you know, make the organization proud that they have me here, make the fans think that they know as much about the team as they can. Um, I try and be as open and receptive as possible. If somebody has a question on Twitter, um, you know, I just want to make people feel like this is something it's listen, nobody, nobody makes us be Carolina Hurricanes fans. Right. Uh, it's something that we all do well, out, of, out of choice. And, 
and that's what we want. I want to make everybody feel feel welcomed about. I I would say if you were born and raised here by uh, hockey parents, well, you don't always have a choice. <laughs> that that's true, but we know how it goes. Like we all, as we become older and we become conscious beings, like we have choices to make, right? Like for example, I see I, I get a kick out of sometimes when I'm walking around and I see a young kid wearing a like a Vegas Golden Knights hat or a hoodie, and I know that they've become drawn to that team because they're a new team in the league as they're coming in a formative stage of their life, right? Um, but as you said, for a lot of people, it's an inherited trait. So, um, yeah, I'm just trying to make make sure everybody feels like, you know, something that they're passionate about, they can know as much as they want to. And that's kind of my job. So, and you stepped in to some big shoes in the eyes of the fan base. Everyone liked Michael Smith. And I promise after this, I'll stop complimenting you. But uh, <laughs> you stepped into those big shoes and, you know, not everyone's going to work out. And we didn't know you. And here we are a season later, and I don't know a single person within the fan base who's like, ah, I could leave him or take him. It's whatever. <laughs> Everyone loves you. Well, I appreciate that. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm cognizant, and I'm sure that there are some people out there who probably are not the biggest fans. I'm sure there are people who, you know, probably aspire to see more of those 3,000, 4,000 word pieces on a day-to-day basis. But um I'm very, I feel very fortunate to be here to, yes, I, you know, even today at practice, I had two very kind people come up to me and just say hello and, you know, tell me that they enjoy what I'm doing. That's the stuff that means the world to me. And um, I hope people know that that really does mean a lot. That's, I, that's funny. I, had a, I have a friend who is a manager of a deli department at Harris Theater and he ran into you one day and asked you for a photo. Yeah. And then he, uh, he was like, was that weird? Should I not have done that? And I was like, no, I'm sure he loved that. Like, Yeah, I did. That made my day, to be honest. I know the exact situation you're talking about. It's, it's humbling and it's very surreal to me that, you know, I was just able to, this is what, like I said, this is what I've always wanted to do my whole life. And now, you know, people want to say hi to me and like, you know, take pictures and stuff that it, it's very, very touching. Honestly, it really is. Maybe this is something you didn't know. I, I'm not going to say you didn't, but we are a passionate fan base. So even in, <laughs> during our last decade of, I don't want to say failure, but failure, uh, we, we still had passionate fans. No, they weren't buying tickets to go see them lose, but we were still here and we were still, you know, forever thankful to Rod Brindamore. And the fan base gets disrespected often for being a Southern market or non-traditional market or just college town or whatever. Has your perception changed on what the fan base is from prior to you getting here? You know, I'm going to say, well, I guess I can't outright say no, because even I know, didn't know what I was fully getting into, right? But I will say, I mean, the past couple of years, I was born and raised in Pennsylvania, but I've also lived in Texas, Virginia, Arizona, Oregon. And I never really look, I'm, maybe it's just who I am as a person. I've never looked at teams like, oh, they're in the South, they can't draw. That's, it's completely bogus. And I'm sure we're going to get into it in a minute. But the stadium series here is, is a prime example of that. I've been to, um, you know, I've been to many Dallas Stars games when I lived in Texas. I don't ever look at them like, oh, they can't draw. Like, no, that place is always electric. That place is fun. Um, same thing with some of the teams in Florida, you know, sunrise i think that's a beautiful building to be frank and i think tampa obviously with their success they fill that building well um 
I think that anybody who is classifying the Canes as, you know, oh, hockey won't work in a Southern market, they are so short-sighted that honestly, I don't even try and pay attention to them. And I hate saying that because I don't like to openly put out that I'm disregarding people. But if that's the way you think, like, you know, have at it, cool. But I'm not going to be the one to change your mind because I know you're wrong. And that's, that's just the way I see it. Um, so I, that's all I can really say on it. I know it, like, it's been a big topic of discussion the last couple of days, but um, I know how I feel and I know how a lot of people feel. And I know how 18,000 plus in this building feels and it's pretty darn good. It's, it's funny that you mentioned uh, the Panthers and Tampa because I, I actually had this thought over the off season. It's when they would make fun of Carolina, they wouldn't just make fun of Carolina. They'd make fun of the Southern team. So it'd be Carolina, Tampa, and Florida. Let's ignore Nashville now, no offense, but it, it, now it seems like Tampa Bay, Florida, and the Hurricanes are just out here. Oh, you made fun of us? Well, I'm just going to destroy your team tonight. You have a good time. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah, there's, there's no doubt that, I mean, those three teams right now are among some of the best in the National Hockey League. And I think players, you know, players are seeing now that, okay, maybe 20, 25 years ago, that argument held weight, maybe even more recently in the 10, 15 years ago. But there's a reason that those three teams are among the top in the league right now. I mean, I get a kick out of every time I see Matthew Chuck's Instagram story. Okay, he goes from Calgary to Florida. He doesn't seem too upset that he can go to practice and then go to the beach afterwards. I'll tell you that. And I don't think many people would be. Uh, same thing with the guys in Tampa. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I know we're not exactly a beach town here in Raleigh, but I think the guys are pretty happy with being here. So, um, yeah, I think each market presents a unique unique setting that players have come to enjoy. The, the nice part of Raleigh, and I'm sorry, I, I have to defend us. Uh, not that you slandered us, but I just have to, is whatever you can't do in Raleigh is only 90 minutes away. Whether you want to go to the beach or the mountains, well, just 90 minutes away from whatever you want if we don't have to hero. It's a great point. Quick little weekend getaway, and boom, you're right back to it. Exactly. Entering last season, um, my brother and I started a podcast, and we had a Twitter account. And there was this new team reporter who did intermission reports uh, at PNC Arena. And we thought he dressed snazzy. <laughs> and we would take pictures of him and treat them out and compliment him every time we saw him. Did that ever get annoying? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it did not get annoying at all. I will, I will be very frank. The first couple of times I was surprised because I didn't know how many people would be watching. I know that there's 18,000 plus in the building, but let's be honest, everybody goes and gets hot dogs, beer, snacks, food during the intermission. So I didn't know how many people would be sticking around. Um, but I always get a kick out of there's a, a handful of people that will, you know, say, oh, I like your tie tonight, Walt, or something like that. And um, it definitely makes me smile because, it, you know, like I said earlier, everybody wants to just feel like what they're doing is important. And I appreciate you guys showing your love always on that and everybody else, too. It definitely means a lot to me. Okay. And I have one question. My brother's no longer with the show, so he's not here to ask himself. <laughs> but when you were on the screen, uh, it wasn't early in the game particularly and he lived close so we would walk home so we were a couple of storm brews in <laughs> we're all over 21 it's all legal uh, he would chant your name quite loud trying to get you to hear it did you ever once even kind of think you heard your name maybe once i i don't know I, it's, it's hard to remember 41 different nights plus oh. 
Come on, Walt. I know. I'm. I would love to tell you. Yeah, you know, maybe one time. Um, I, I don't. I can tell you humbly. There's probably better things to chant, but I. I love and appreciate the effort. I will absolutely take that. When you're four storm brews deep, there is nothing <laughs> that you don't want to chant. That's a very valid point. Okay, and uh, my final quick question before we can end this is: Has Trip Tracy given you a nickname yet? Ooh, um, I'm trying to rack my brain here quick. I don't know if I've given been given an official one yet, at least to my face. Um, I'm sure they're not saying anything behind your back. <laughs> Somebody always is, but uh, I don't know if I have one yet per se. Um, maybe trying again. Maybe there, I've, there's been one in passing before. I don't know. I'm, maybe maybe this season I'll get one officially. Well, obviously, we all need to write the trip, Tracy. Tell him to get it done. <laughs> okay. Well, that's all I have for you, Walt. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really do appreciate it. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me on. And, it's been a pleasure and uh, looking forward to a great season. Hey, I appreciate you lying to me. That's great. Let's keep that up. <laughs> that is my conversation with Walt Ruff. Uh, hopefully the first of many. He is a great guy. It, you guys, if you don't understand how rare it is to have someone put in the amount of work that Walt does. Not only is he writing pieces for the website every day, and his Twitter account is nothing but knowledge for this team, he also takes the time to appear on podcasts like this one. I'm not a huge podcast, uh, and he was here. He's been on the Sorgecast several times. I know he's been on Locked On, Hurricane several times. That means a lot. To people like me and to other, I don't want to say influencers because that's not really what I am, but people around the team who try to build the community up along with the organization. It means a lot, and I will always be thankful to Walt. But transitioning into the next guest, Adam Gold has recently become a friend of the show, is the best way to say it. He was gracious enough to give me some of his time to talk about the team. And I, there's a lot in there that I found really interesting. Uh, some of it I've already played in the previous episode on Saturday with the Jordan Marnock offer sheet. Again, he told me that hours before that announcement was made out. And he did rightfully give credit to Corey LaViolette, who apparently floated the idea past him. But those other great pieces of just knowledge that Adam offers up, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh... If you want to follow Adam Gold on Twitter, uh, I will put a link down below. He, again, has a radio show Monday through Friday, 12 to noon, on 99.9 FM The Fan. He hosts post-game and pre-game shows on the same station for your Carolina Hurricanes. And, of course, he is the host of the Canes Corner podcast. But without further ado, let's get into our conversation. What storylines are you most excited for this season? Uh... I mean, I think Jesperi Kokaniemi. I think Martin Natchez. I think what the third pair is going to be like. I'm not really concerned about what Brent Burns is going to do because I think Brent Burns and Jacob Slavin are going to be amazing. Maybe it's not amazing right away, but I think over the course of an 82-game season, it will be amazing. I think they have a chance to be the best defensive pair in the league. Um, 
but really the the development of Kokaniemi into what they hope will be a number two center and Natchez reclaiming the the promise that he showed two years ago are the two biggest factors for me about whether or not this team will be truly great or just good. I think that's the difference. Kokaniemi being a guy who can uh, produce almost to the level of Trocek, Natchez to get back to what he was doing. And if you think about what Natchez is, right now he has about a four-month audition to be a top six forward. Because if that doesn't work, then Pacioretty comes back and automatically goes into the top six. And you can only play six top six forwards. I, I've done the math. Really? Breaking news here. Bar- hot take. Barring, yeah, barring injury, uh, it's Natchez's spot. Because Teravainen would rather play the right. Pacioretty's a left. And if... Uh, if if Natchez doesn't demand that you keep him in the top six, then there's then I think he'll get dropped. And when he gets dropped, he's not going to get dropped to the stall line. He's going to get dropped to the fourth line. Uh, Do you imagine that Rod would let him dictate where he plays in the lineup? No, I what I Natchez's performance will dictate where he goes in the lineup. There we go. Yeah. That's that's I said the exact same thing when the uh, Hurricanes acquired Domi uh, at the trade deadline last year was that Martin Natchez determines where Max Domi plays by his own play. And I think Natchez will determine where Pacioretty slots when Pacioretty comes back by his play. Um and then, again, this is assuming no injuries. This is assuming Seth Jarvis doesn't have a sophomore slump. I don't think he will, although I don't think he had a great preseason. I don't either. Uh, um, the- it doesn't matter. The preseason doesn't matter, but uh, I don't think he had a great preseason. But uh, I'm not. I'm really not worried about Speaking of preseason, who is your unexpected favorite player in the preseason? Someone you weren't really expecting to do much, but were surprised by. Uh, well, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised. The best player in the preseason was probably Derek Stepan. Yeah. I I wasn't surprised by it. Derek Stepan's a good player and he's trying to make the team. And I think ultimately I think he'll be on the team. I think they'll they'll solve the PTO issue. It's not really an issue. I think they're just waiting to do their roster. I don't think um, he, they won't sign him to the PTO until they clear up other things. I think they have to – ultimately, they're going to get to their cap first, and that means uh, Ethan Bear uh, on the, the roster they submit. And then after they submit that roster – I think they'll uh, either trade Bear or send him to the minors. Just a, just a hunch. Uh, as long as there are no injuries on the back end, I think they will take the um, – they'll have Dahan and Coglin 
be the the third pair, which I have some like trepidations about. But uh, and I think because I think if they put Chatfield through waivers, they lose him. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to take Ethan Bear off waivers at two point two million. Yeah, that's that's where the holdup is there. Plus, so, but I think they they they're going to keep Bear on the the roster they submit because they've got to get to eighty six fifty five to take full use of Jake Gardner's long term injured spot. So basically, wait until Monday, and that's when you think they're going to start making moves. That's when I think you'll see them do another round of uh, you know through waivers to go back to the minor. I I think I think they keep one extra D and two extra forwards. And I think ultimately the extra forwards they keep, by the way, I don't think it'll be, it shouldn't be a surprise if they decide to put Martinook through waivers too, um, not to send him to the minors, but uh, as a paper move to create the cap room. I don't think anybody's going to claim Martinook off waivers. uh, Although it could be. Um, but I don't think anybody will. I also think it's possible that Jack Drury starts the year in the minor leagues. Really? Yeah, Jack had one great game, his first game. He was okay in the other two. And because I believe they think that Nason can play here, especially in a fourth-line role where he's uh, he can – score some garbage goals. I think the fourth line, if it's, let's just say it's Jarvis, Martinook, and Nason going out there, not Jarvis, uh, Drury, Martinook, and Nason, or Stepan, Martinook, and Nason. I think that line will create enough fourth line havoc to create enough opportunities. And Nason is a net front, go to the, you know, go to the top of the crease, score garbage goals. And you don't need a ton for your fourth line to be effective, but I think that can be an effective fourth line in that regard. And I think Stasny's going to play with Stahl and Faust because um, he can play the role of Nino in that uh, Nino is really effective as a defender and a, you know, a goal scorer with that line, you know, for the most part. And I think Stasny can do that, but I think um, if they'd start with Stepan and Nason on the roster, then that's the way it can look. Um, but it could also be Drury um, and Stepan and Nason. Nason can be in support roles. I'm not sure where Andre Kasha is going to end up. I think Kasha is going to be on the opening night, right? He'll be in the lineup on opening night. I didn't see anything from Andre Kasha during his, what was it, two, three po- preseason games that leads me to believe that he's going to make any kind of impact here. But they have coveted Andre Kasha for Four years. They nearly traded for him two other times. So. It's almost amazing to me how long. Same thing with Kakanimi. They wanted Kakanimi for, what, a year and a half before the offer sheet? Don Waddell picks his players and just sticks with them. That's who he wants. All right. I, I will just amend that and take Don Waddell out and put Tom Dundon slash Eric Tulski in there. Fair enough. Listen. Fair enough. Yeah. Look, no, no I mean, my opinion, uh, Don Waddell is the their he's their liaison. I think that all the decisions are made by Tulski and Dundon. And I 
No, 100% agree with that. If history shows anything, it's that Wardell is a great – the business side of it is all him. Well, no, but it, it, to me that Waddell is the Rolodex. Waddell is the contact point because Don, you know, Don has friends around the league that Dundon and Tulski don't. So, like the 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 Nino trade, the Rask for Nino trade was a Waddell deal. Waddell had had the the relationship, um, those types of things. But when it comes to, you know coveting a player it's not really done the team is hoping to make the playoffs of the fifth consecutive season this year yeah uh you've been here more time than almost anyone within the radio era and thanks for you... calling me old but that's fine no no, no you're not even that old <laughs> uh, actually <laughs> i'm just kidding i am I, I am significantly older than probably everybody listening to this and that's okay it's oh, you'd right. be shocked. I made a comment about how Brett Burns is going to be 40 soon, and I got several tweets like, hey, man, I'm 50. What, what's wrong with 40? Like, n- nothing, guys. I'm just He's a hockey player. That's a he's bit old for a player. hockey player. Uh, anyways, so something I've been preaching about lately is Hurricanes fans need to wake up and start feeling good about where the team is and celebrating where the team is because this won't last forever. I don't know if it's going to be another five years, another two years, another ten years. But eventually – we will go back to not being a contender. Any thoughts on that? Well, I don't know why that has to be the case. Um, I think that the um, this organization has been pretty smart with how they have um, stockpiled prospects and managed their salary cap issues. Now, coming up in two years, um, I think the window is two years for a number of reasons, but that doesn't mean that going beyond two years, you can't still be very good. I think the organization, I don't think that there is, Hey, it's going to go back to the way it was when they didn't make the playoffs for 10 years. I don't think that's, well, yeah, I don't think that's the case at all. Um, I, and not that they were bad for 10 years. They were just not good enough to make the playoffs. Yeah. And they're two completely different things. They never bottomed out really. Yeah, they had uh, chances. They were never the worst team in the league, but they were never right. they were a bubble team. Yeah, but I and I don't I don't foresee that being their future. I see I foresee look, the truth is is that a lot of teams are bubble teams until we get to the point and I, I actually think this is gonna happen. I think we're gonna see an expanded playoff to some extent. Uh whether it's the way the NBA expands playoffs or uh a larger expansion of playoffs, we're going to see it. Um, but I foresee the Hurricanes with this brain trust. I foresee them being players in the postseason for a long time. Now, a lot of that has to do with re-signing Aho, Teravainen, Pesci, Jarvis, uh, and maybe even Shea. Uh, and two years from now, all those bills are due. And... If you see, like Matthew Barzell just signed for more than $9 million a year, right? So he's not even a center. So you start at nine and a half for Ajo. So you're, you're tacking on a million. Uh, I think the number will be between nine and a half and, and, uh, and 10 million for Ajo. Teravainen, not going to be cheap. He's not going to be 5.4. He's going to be closer to eight. Jarvis is going to be, I mean, what does Svetch got? 
Jarvis is going to be at least that. So there's a lot of bills coming due for this team. It probably can't keep everybody. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, my guess is the roster will look a little bit different and they have to always have a pipeline of young players coming in, which is why you have all these prospects. So not all of them are going to be like, I personally don't think there's anybody who is a top six forward top four defenseman right now in the system. I wouldn't disagree with you. Um, a quick hypothetical. So next year, there's another record revenue year for the NHL, and they push the timetable forward to where the cap goes up, I don't know, five, six million in two years rather than the, I think it's currently projected for four they, when they changed it. Right. Would that uh, open up your window a little bit more? Maybe a three, nope. four-year window? Or would it no, they're going to need problem? all of it. <laughs> they're going to need every bit of it. So uh, Pesci's not going to be four million a, uh, a year either. Yeah. Okay. Right. It's it's so uh, the only contract that might see a well Jordan Stahl will see a reduction in his contract. Uh, the only other contract that might see a slight drop is Brady Shea, but it won't be significant. It won't be like from you know what, what, what is he at like five and a five and a half roughly, uh, a little less five and a quarter. I thought it was five threes, but sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean it won't be it won't be from that to three. So, yeah, there's like they they are going to need like for the next two years, Jarvis is under a million and he's in playing in your top six. So they're going to need players like that, prospects like that, that can dot their lineup, that give you production for very little money. So whether it's uh, a forward prospect. Uh, well, Jack's got what? Just one more year left before RFA, Drury, because he spent no uh, two more years left. Is it this year and another year? So, yeah. um, they're going to need that. They're they're going to need uh, Scott Morrow probably to be here. And if they think that Morrow is good enough, I guess it's possible that they make a decision and let Pesci go. I would not I would not like to see it because I think there are certain players who should be forever canes based on uh you know intrinsic value, you know, maybe intangible value to the organization. I think Pesci is Pesci and Slavin go together to, for me. But I mean I could see it depending on the money. Uh remember Brent Burns has only got three years left. So they have to think about all of these things, but uh, yeah, if they get extra cap room, they got a chance to extend the window, but it really comes down to all those players. And if I were Tom Dundon, and I keep saying this to him personally, don't wait. Don't wait. When this year is up, at the end of this year, get them all done. Don't let anybody go into their walk here. Get them all done now. Because the, the, it's just going to go up. Price is just going to go up when you get into the walk here. It always does. Yeah. Uh Last question when it comes to the cap. What do you think film market value for Stahl will be uh, at the end of the season? I don't know, but he's going to 
and I think it's going to happen this year. He's going to fall into a fourth line role, uh, you know, a checking center role. Uh, even though he's going to play a lot more minutes than a fourth line player will. And I, I think it'll be, you know, between three and four. I think it'll be a smaller deal, the shorter deal. I think they might do two years for Jordan between three and four. Uh, unless, of course, somebody contacts his agent and says, hey, we got six and a half for you. Uh, then he might go, but I, I don't know. I kind of think this is his franchise now. Yeah, I don't think he would so, leave 100% on that one. Unless I, it was something stupid, like well, 6.57. That's what I said. Six and a half is, is stupid. But if somebody decides that they want that Jordan Stahl is the left, like, I'll just throw it out there because I have no idea. Let's just say Ottawa decides, hey, we can use a guy like Jordan Stahl. Uh, exactly what we need. Defensive-minded, win face-offs, helps us win. Uh, and we can fit because we have so many young guys. We can fit six and a half million in our into our cap for two more years. Uh, then I could see it because why not? But I actually think he'll retire as a hurricane because I don't think the the organization will insult him by saying uh, we'll pay you a million plus incentives. So I think that uh, so I think we'll see basically. Half of what he makes now will be probably his number. But I also think that if they do that, it's not going to be a one-year thing. It'll be a two-year deal. This is a maybe, even, maybe even three. This is 100% a weird fan thing, but there's been a stall on our roster going on 20 consecutive years now. So when there's eventually not, it's going to feel different. I'm not going to lie. The, uh, the 03-04 season was the first time we've had, we had a stall. We didn't yep. have an 05, 04-05, but yes. Hey, he was uh, technically there. He just, you know, no one played. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. And then the, my last question, and then we're going to have fun predicting stupid things. Uh, what does it say about the franchise that we set an NHL record for the stadium series tickets? Uh, it's tickets that it was very open. They said from the beginning that they didn't think we were going to sell well in Carolina. And here we are setting the record. Um, anybody that thought that this wouldn't sell well, forget about the franchise. It has nothing to do with the franchise. But anybody that thought this wouldn't sell well doesn't know Raleigh. Big events? Ho, oh, ho, come on. Raleigh does big events. They will, they will come out. And it's funny because partial season ticket holders were told that they would have access to four tickets. And then they were told, sorry, only two. Because so many full season ticket holders grabbed all eight that they were eligible to grab. And while there are a lot of tickets to be had, uh, there aren't as many because the NHL keeps some for themselves. They keep some for the visiting team, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, Raleigh does big events. I remember having a conversation uh, with the Convention and Visitors Bureau. This goes back three years, four years. So this was right after Dundon took over and he wanted an outdoor game. So I asked, I just said, all right, are we going to have any problems selling out? 
and my friend at the convention and visitors bureau said, Raleigh, uh, uh-uh, no, ch- no problem at all. 50,000 seats. Easy. I always think back to the all-star game and the draft. I was a bit young for the draft, but the all-star game, I remember that it was a thing. Even people I knew who weren't even hockey fans were like, well, let me go check out what's going on downtown because there was everywhere. You, they set up a, like a fake ice rink uh, on Fayetteville street mall places packed. Yep. yep. Raleigh loves big events. You know, it's funny. We have, uh, I gripe a lot about a small town mentality about Raleigh, but, when the lights go on, Raleigh shows. And it's, uh, there was never a doubt that they would sell the tickets, ever. Uh, that they that they sold them all so quickly? <laughs> uh, maybe that's a surprise, but not really. Not really. And frankly, I, I need to get scrambling to figure out how I'm going to get my two kids there. You better get them credentials fast. Let's go to WRL. Uh, yeah. Hey, they, they'll, they'll write something. Give them a pass. Come on. Exactly. So the final part of this is nice and easy. Don't overthink it. It's just over-unders on different things the Hurricanes or certain players can do this season. Okay. So, over-under, will the Canes have 116 points this season? Under. Okay. Well, that doesn't mean the Hurricanes are, are uh, any worse. I just think the, the East is better. The East is much better. Yeah. Excluding the Flyers and maybe Columbus, that's my hot take. No, Columbus no is going to good. Columbus is going to score goals anyway. I mean, Jennings Trophy, but not my point. Um, <laughs> Sebastian Ajo will get 99 points. Under. Mm, okay. Uh, Brett Barnes will get 76 points, which would be a career high for him. Under. Uh, Seth Jarvis will get 50 points. Over. What, I was about to say, which is three points more than he got last year. Over. Okay. That was it. That was all of it. That was it? Leave them wanting more. That's what my mom always said. Uh, Please check the links below to be able to support today's great guests. It has clearly been a pleasure for me to put this together. Uh, We'll be back on Wednesday for an episode that is kind of a crossover with the Sorge cast on opening night. Thank you so much for listening. It's because of support from listeners like you that I'm able to talk to such cool people like Walt and Adam. These opportunities do not fly past me as if nothing ever happened. I'm incredibly thankful for everyone's support. Please, I don't know, subscribe to the show, share it with your friend, follow us on social media. You got it. I'll see you on Wednesday.